Well, take your Bibles this morning, open them to the book of Proverbs, chapter 31. A familiar passage on Mother's Day in churches, Proverbs 31. And I am not going to focus on a word this morning. I know we're in a series and we'll focus on a word next week, but we will look at this entire passage of Proverbs 31, verses 10 through 31. And so would you please stand in honor of God's word as it's read. Before I read, would you pray with me the prayer on the screen? Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Amen. Proverbs 31, beginning in verse 10. A wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good not harm all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still dark. She provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her task. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate, for he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive, and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised." Give her the reward she has earned, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Amen. You may be seated. Treasure your wife for all that she's worth. I don't know if you can put a price tag on a wife, or if you can put a price tag on a mother, but salary.com tried. They tried to figure out what she was worth. In an article a couple years ago, it said this, and this was about mothers. Being a mother may be the world's most challenging job. Think you can put a price on being a mother? Try $143,102. That's according to salary.com. A mother has a different task and roles throughout her journey of raising children. Salary.com separates the task and roles into two different categories. There's traditional mom jobs, and there are the modern mom jobs. The traditional mom jobs consist of the following, housekeeper, cook, daycare center teacher, facilities manager, computer operator, psychologist, janitor, van driver, laundry machine operator, chief executive officer, bookkeeper, event planner, general maintenance worker, groundskeeper, interior design, logistics analyst, nutritionist, plumber, and staff nurse. The list for modern jobs is even Longer. It includes the list above, but also such things as 
buyer, athletic trainer, photographer, social media marketing manager, academic advisor, tailor, receptional therapist, coach, tax accountant, judge, public school teacher, teacher, vocational helper, and education. And based off this criteria, the base salary back in 2016 was $48,509 for a 40-hour work week, moms. Add a mom's overtime hours, which equate to, they say, 52 hours a week of overtime, and the average is out to be uh, overtime is $94,593, and that brings us to a grand total of your job is worth $143,102 back in 2016, so it's not been adjusted for inflation the last couple of years. I apologize. Today, God wants to speak to us about the worth of moms and also the worth of wives. And he wants us to treasure our wife for all that she is worth. To do that today, we're going to look at this passage. We'll have three simple points, and they follow the outline of this passage. Proverbs 31, um, most of the scholars agree, it has an introduction um, in this passage about the wife. It has the body of what she does and then a conclusion at the end of it. And before we get into this, you have to understand a little bit about the background of the passage. I find that there are some women who despise Proverbs 31 in the Bible. They do not like it because they feel like it sets the bar too high. There's too much to do, too many tasks to undertake. How in the world can you make a checklist of and check off everything that you're supposed to get done to be what our modern Christian culture calls the Proverbs 31 woman? And so many ladies feel like they don't live up to that. Well, let's understand the passage first of all. This passage if you look at it, in fact, in my Bible, I don't know if in yours, but in my Bible, next to verse 10, there's a little note there with a little footnote to go and read down at the bottom of the page. And it notes that this entire passage is what is called an acrostic poem. Now, there's all different types of poetry. Usually when we think of poetry as English speakers, we think of poetry, and that means at the end of it, it rhymes. But... In ancient culture, and the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, their poetry was written differently. And so an acrostic poem would be a poem that every line of the poem starts with the next letter of the alphabet. And that would have been in Hebrew in theirs. So you don't see that happen when we have to translate it into English. But it would be like taking the passage and saying that there is, you know, letter A. Line 1 is A, line 2 is B, and then C, and D, and E. And the idea is this is comprehensive. This poem is the picture of the noble wife from A to Z. This is the grand picture of her. But you'll notice something else. This poem comes where in the book of Proverbs? At the beginning, the middle, or the end? It comes at the, the end, doesn't it? And so this poem that was written, and we don't know who wrote it. Some people think it was written um, by the mother of King Lemuel. If you go back to here in chapter 31, go back up to verse 1, it says, the, the sayings of King Lemuel, an oracle his mother taught him. And some people think this poem was a poem that she had written to teach her son what to look for in a wife. But we have no way of knowing. We don't, we don't know the actual context in which it was written. But what we do know is that now it's been put at the end of Proverbs to be a conclusion to the entire book 
of Proverbs, which is about wisdom. You say, okay, pastor, so it's the concluding paragraph. Well, if you were to read through Proverbs, you'd discover something about this book. Wisdom is always, in the book of Proverbs, portrayed as a woman. Wisdom is portrayed as a woman in this book. And so, you have to discover that there are many things going on in this passage. It's not just about a wife, but it's also concluding the entire book of Proverbs. And so, if you were to go back to chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice in the streets? And the chapter sounds like a woman who is going through town saying, Hey, you people, listen to me. And so, you can also notice there are similarities between this and what happens in the book of Proverbs. Here in this passage, in chapter 31, verse 10, it says, A wife and noble character who can find she is worth far more than... You see that in verse 10? Far more than rubies. What's interesting, if we went back to chapter 3, verse, 10, verse 15, it says, Wisdom is more precious than, guess what? Rubies. Or you can look at verse 30, where it says, Charm is deceptive, beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Isn't it interesting that in chapter, back in chapter 9, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so wisdom is always portrayed as a woman. And so here at the end of the book of Proverbs, we have wisdom once again now being portrayed as the noble wife. And this is what wisdom looks like. And so it functions in multiple ways. It functions as a poem about a ruler's wife and so as you read through this, scholars are quite clear to say this is probably a poem written for the monarchy. It's written for kings and for queen, queens, for princes and for princesses. Because you can tell as you read through it, this is a woman of some significant means. She's doing business, not just in town, selling stuff around town, but she seems to also be doing business on an international scale, getting foods from other nations and things. And so it's probably not written for an everyday person. It was probably written, and that's why some think it's written by King Lemuel's mother and what to look for maybe for a spouse. It is a royal poem. So we don't have much royalty today except for those of you who like to follow what's going on over in England and the birth of the baby and all that type of stuff uh, with the royal family. And I can't say that I've followed that at all. Um, other than to know a baby was born, I don't know the name, I, I haven't seen any pictures or anything like that, but, but if they were to write up a poem about what a, a wife would look like for one of the future princes of the country, that is kind of the context in which this was written back in the ancient world. It was a royal poem. It's written, as I said, as an acrostic poem, but then it's put at the end of Proverbs to be a summary for all the wisdom that has been taught. And this noble wife that is written about in this poem becomes an example of what wisdom looks like. So you might say, okay, pastor, so there's all these details. Why in the world does that matter? I think it matters for two reasons. One is for ladies. Sometimes you read through this and you create a little checklist of, well, I mean, maybe you don't know what a spindle is, but you assume that that means if God's gonna be happy with you, you better know how to sew and to fix your kids' clothes. 
Or, you know, you read about trading and you think, I don't know what that is, but maybe you're supposed to be good with trading stock on the stock markets in the modern day world. You might read through this and create a list. And ladies, you need to understand this. That's not the way Proverbs 31 functions. It is not a checkoff list to see whether you are a good wife or a bad wife. If that's what you think it is, then you don't need to be a Proverbs 31 woman. What Proverbs 31 is asking you to do is to exhibit the wisdom of this woman in your own life and circumstances. The other reason it's important to know all that context and how it functions in the book is this. Because it is the summary of the book and it becomes an example of wisdom throughout the chapters means it's not only for women but for guys too. Because it is the summary of, it is an example of what wisdom looks, out, looks like in life. And so all the different ways that wisdom is summarized can be applicable to a man as well. Obviously in, in a man's context, but the passage has bearing for men and for women as a result of that. So now that we've got the background of it laid and the context in which it comes to us, let's walk through and understand what it looks like for a husband to treasure his wife for all that she's worth. The first thing is this, you have to understand her value. Verses 10 through 12 are the introduction to this passage. It says, a wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. And it starts off, a wife of noble character who can find. Now, when I first read that, my first impression is to say this, good luck, guys. There aren't many good ladies out there. Now, that doesn't sound very nice, does it? But that's kind of what it sounds like, the way it starts off, the way we read it. A wife of noble character. Well, who can find that? You're going to have to settle for second best. But that's not the point at all. It's like talking about a diamond. Diamonds are rare, but if any one of us, if we had the money in our pocketbook, you could go out and buy a diamond today, right? They're not so rare that you can't find them. The point is that they're valuable and they're to be treasured when you have them. So the, the point of the question isn't so much on the difficulty in finding the person. The point is on treasuring the person that you have. And so he says, a wife of noble character who can find. It reminds me of the story told years ago about Thomas Wheeler. Thomas Wheeler was the CEO of the Massachusetts Life Insurance Company. And one day he and his wife were out on a road trip. And as they were traveling along down the interstate, looked down at the car and he saw that the gas gauge was getting low, getting close to E. And so he said, honey, we better get off and uh, fill the tank up. And she said, that's fine. So they got off at the next exit. They pulled into a gas station. And this was back in the days that some of you remember when you could get full-service gas stations where you could actually pay someone to put the gas in the tank for you. And so uh, he pulled up to a full-service gas station. He told the guy, he said, fill the tank with gas. He said, I'll give you an extra tip if you check the oil and the air pressure in the tires. And he had a nice car. He was the CEO of a, of a well-to-do company. And he told his wife, he said, hon, I'm going to go use the restroom. I'll be back in a couple minutes. And so when he came back, he noticed that the attendant there at the gas station apparently had done all of his work and was standing there at the side of the car talking in quite an animated fashion with his wife. And so uh, he just walked around, got in the car, and they finished off talking, and he heard the two of them say, well, it's really good to run into you and to see you, and uh, maybe we'll see, again, see each other again sometime. 
And uh, he walked off one of the gas station, and the man turned to his wife and said, do you know that man? And she said, yeah. She said, you won't believe it. She said, but we went to high school together. In fact, not only did we go to high school, she said, but there was a couple months where he and I dated each other. And, and he thought, hmm. So he got in the car, he started the ignition, and uh, put the car in gear, and they started driving off. After a couple minutes, he looked over at his wife. He said, you know what? I was thinking about this. He said, I was thinking, you sure must be happy that I came along your path and you got to marry me and be the wife of a CEO of a successful company. And uh, she sat for a minute, and then she looked back at him, and she said, huh, that's a funny thing. She said, I was thinking this. She said, I was thinking that, boy, you're sure lucky that I came along, because if I hadn't come along, you'd be a gas station attendant, and that guy over there would be the CEO of the Massachusetts Life Insurance Company. And that's the way it often goes, isn't it? is that we often think, boy, that person's lucky to be married to me. And in Proverbs 31, we discover this, that husbands are to value their wives and to realize the value and the treasure that they are, to realize the good and the blessing that they bring into life. Now, that's not to say that every single one of us isn't a sinner, that, ever, that things always go perfectly and everything comes as a blessing. No, I realize that. But ultimately, the gift of a wife is a good gift from God that every husband is to value. And so it says, a wife of noble character, who can find? Not so much that you can't find her, but oh, once you have found her, to treasure her for all that she is worth. Now, it's interesting, a word there, just as a side note, it says, a wife of noble character. Noble. That's interesting. Did, I, I, we're doing word studies, so I figured I should at least, our, our sermon series right now is a set, studying different words in Scripture, and uh, we're pausing a little bit for Mother's Day, but I thought, well, we should at least look at one word briefly, and that's the word noble. And it's an odd word. Did you know you can do a word study? Uh, you don't have to be trained in... Hebrew or Greek, one thing you can do is just get different versions of the Bible and look up different ways they use that word. And it's interesting. If you were to grab a Bible and look up the word noble, which is what the NIV has, also the Christian Standard Version has noble character, but you discover other words in other translations. Some of you may have that this morning. The New Living Translation says the virtuous and capable wife. The Contemporary English Version says the truly good wife. The English Standard Version says the excellent wife. The New King James Version says the virtuous wife. This little word, noble, it actually occurs, it's from a Hebrew word called hayil. It occurs 98 times in the Old Testament. And it really doesn't occur in the way we think of. Because when I read a wife of noble character, I'm thinking this is her internal character it is her godliness, and in that I emphasize that part of it. What's interesting is this word tends to emphasize the ability of the wife to be resourceful and to make good things happen for her family. In fact, this word, half of the time in the Old Testament, is translated army. Isn't that weird? It's the same word as army in the Old Testament, like 40-some times it shows up as army because an army shows up and they get the work done. 
And the, the, the sense here, as you read through this passage, don't you notice this woman that it's talking about, and it's probably a queen or a princess that it's describing, a, a woman who will be a queen, that she is resourceful. She knows how to get the work done to be a benefit both to her husband, to be a benefit to her children, to be a benefit even to society. And so the idea is that she has the internal character to produce the outward effect of accomplishing what is beneficial for those she loves. She has the internal character to accomplish the outward effect of what is beneficial for those she loves. She is the woman of noble character. And so we start off in the introduction understanding her value. Husbands, do you understand the value of your wife? As you get into the body of the passage, verses 13 to 27, you recognize her actions. You recognize her actions, and, and there's a lot of different things that she does here in this passage. As I said, this is an acrostic poem going from A to Z, but in the Hebrew alphabet, and it highlights multiple different things. So as you look down through it, you'll notice she is a diligent worker. Verses 15, verse 15 says she gets up while it's still dark. Verse 17 says she sets out about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her task. Verse 18, her lamp does not go out at night. Verse 19, in her hand she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. Verse 27, she does not eat the bread of idleness. She is a diligent worker. She is not a lazy woman. She is diligent. She is a wise administrator. She has money to invest. In verse 16, she considers a field and buys it. She has land to manage. It says out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard in the last half of verse 16. She has products to sell. Verse 18 says that she sees her trading as profitable. In verse 24, she makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sassers. She has a home to manage. Verse 27, she watches over the affairs of her household. And all those together show her to be a wise administrator. She is also a selfless giver for the sake of her family. Verse 15 says she provides food for her family. She even cares about her servants. Verse 15 goes on to say, and portions for her servant girls. She even cares about the poor. Verse 20, she opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. She is a selfless giver. She is a thoughtful planner. Verse 21 says, when it so snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them enclosed in scarlet. She knows winter is coming, and she's gotten ready for it. Verse 25 says, she can laugh at the days to come. She plans ahead. She's a careful speaker. Verse 26, she speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. And so you see all these different ways in which, in her own life, these become the evidences of wisdom. All of the actions, recognizing her actions, is recognizing that this is, are the evidences of wisdom in her life. In fact, if you read through that list, you'll discover a lot of those is what the book of Proverbs talks about, isn't it? Those things I just mentioned, she's a careful speaker. Doesn't Proverbs talk about the tongue and how we are to be careful with our speech and a kind word and the benefits of that? A thoughtful planner knowing how to plan ahead. Proverbs has wisdom to talk about that. A selfless giver, a wise administrator, a diligent worker. Doesn't Proverbs talk about the sluggard and how the sluggard will fail? 
can't even get out of bed. And so this woman, as you can see, she, her life summarizes all that the whole book has been talking about, and she shows us what it looks like in daily living. Husbands, let me ask, do you ever recognize the actions of your wife? I mean, do you ever realize the wisdom that she puts on display and the daily stuff that she does? So there are things I realize that I would just write off, but I realize that they're ultimately signs of wisdom and care for our family. For example, did you know that there's such thing as seasonal clothing? Now, I knew that. I mean, actually, I, t- today, I, for Easter, I wanted something that looked kind of springy, and so we bought new clothes, and I said, I'm going to wear it on Easter, I'm going to wear it on Mother's Day, so I look springy. I get that, but I had no idea. When you buy baby clothes, my wife will go through a pile of clothes, you know, somebody may give us a whole bin of clothes, she will go through all that, and then she will pick it out based on the season of whether it will fit the child or not. That would never cross my mind. I'd just be like, it fits or it it fits now, it's too small, it fits, or it will fit someday. But I wouldn't think to cross if it will fit someday with will it fit in the right season someday. But my wife does because she plans for our family. There are other areas of life. Coupons. I have no use for coupons in my life. I hate coupons. Unfortunately, when I go to the store, my wife gives me coupons, and I go to Martin's, and I take the coupon with me, and when we come home, she says, did you use the coupon? And invariably, because I put it next to the dollar, usually I have one or two dollars, and whatever she gives me is how much money I have. And what, so whatever's in there, I put the coupon because they're long next to the dollar bills. But I pay with a credit card, and I always forget the coupon. And so she'll always tell me, put the coupon next to the credit card. And I always tell her, I said, it's not thick enough. I can't fit. The coupons you give me aren't going to fit in the little slot in there. And so I tried really hard to remember coupons. Now that now Martin's has some digital coupons. So I walk out the door and say, I'm on my way. You clip the digital coupons. I'm just checking out. And I like that. But the reason she does that is because she cares about the finances of our family. She knows that every dollar matters. And so, like yesterday, I get a text message. Does the van need gas? I know what that means. She sees the price of gas going up, and she knows I have a very simple life. I drive down the road. When the car gets low on gas, I pull into a gas station. I put gas in the car. I go on, and my life is happy. But she has gas buddy on her phone, so she knows the price of gas around town. And we're watching to see if we can save two cents. And to me, I'm like, oh, who cares? But to her, she's like, every penny matters. Why? Because she keeps the budget and manages the house. And she knows all the bills that have to get paid. And so that is all those little actions that a wife does, those are the actions of wisdom lived out in daily life. Garage sales. I don't care about garage sales. Give it all to goodwill. I could care less. I just want it out of the house. And though she'll walk in, she'll say, I just sold it on Facebook Marketplace, made $15. What do you think of that? And I'm like, you're right. We got 15 more dollars. And then the next week we have 20 more dollars. And, and people just come and take stuff out of a tote and leave money for us. And there you go. School meetings. I don't know when my kids have the next meeting. I don't know what meetings they have. I don't even know when their baseball games are. I get up in the morning and I say, hon, what are we doing today? But she has it all managed for me. Dentists, doctors, eye exams. 
She asks one favor, will you at least call for your own appointments? She manages the other five. Foods. The wise wife cares about the health of her children. All I know is this, it should say alphabet free on any label to know that it's good for your body. GMO free, it's gotta be RBEGH free. In other words, no growth hormones, no genetically modified organisms. I, I don't know, I just walk in and I say, does it have the alphabet in it or does it not? Or I like to joke, is it R-E-S-P-E-C-T free? Because I can't keep all the letters straight. It's like the versions of the Bible, N-K-J-V, the C-I-V, the C-E-V, the N-I-V, the N-A-S-B, the K-J-V. And all you do is you stand and look at labels of food, and it's got to be free of this and free of that and free of that. I'm like, I like M&Ms. Who cares if they have genetically modified <laughs> material in them? But, but what Proverbs 31 is doing it is giving you the detailed list of what a wife does in her actions to show wisdom that's on display in day-to-day -day life. And that's what it looks like when a mom cares about her family and cares about her health and cares about the budget and cares about the schedule and does all these different things. And so husbands, I simply ask you, do you recognize her actions and the wisdom and the love that they communicate. Do you recognize the love she's trying to show through all the little things she's paying attention to? And so we see in this passage, you understand her value, recognize her actions, and then in the conclusion, we're called to praise her wisdom. It says her children, verse 28, to the end. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive, beauty is fleeting. A woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the reward she has earned. Let her works bring her praise at the city gate. There is only one command in this passage. It appears in verse 31. Give her the reward she has earned. Give her the reward she has earned. This passage has as much to do with men and the reward they give to their wives as it has to do with women who live godly, wise wives, lives. And so praise her for her wisdom. Her praise should come from her children, verse 28. Her children arise and call her blessed. You know what? A little comment. I don't know that this isn't specifically in the passage, but it seems true to the passage to me. You know what, I've noticed as kids get older, you know, when they're young, they just, they just disobey or maybe they, they can be rude, I suppose. But I find when they're younger, it's a little easier. As they get into the teenagers, sometimes they can have attitude and they can talk back to mom or dad. And you know what, dads, you have a job to do, I realize. It is your job to be the defender of your wife. So as your kids grow up and they talk back or they refuse to obey mom, guess whose job it is to say, uh-uh. You will listen and you will obey. You will speak respectfully. And a husband should always have his wife's back in the home. Never let your children degrade your wife. Your wife should never wonder whether you have her back or not. 
If she says the TV's going off, the TV goes off. If she tells the kids to start vacuuming, they start vacuuming. If she says we're going somewhere, then we're going somewhere. But you have your wife's back in front of your children so that your children grow up learning to arise and call her blessed. Not only from her children, she should also have praise from her husband. For it says in the last half of verse 28, her husband also, and he praises her. There's a book, you can get the idea pretty quick, I can give it to you, you don't have to necessarily read the whole book, but The Five Long Languages by Gary Chapman talks about ways to show love to your wife. There's these five words of affirmation, gifts, service, time together, and physical touch. I recommend you use all five, but specialize in whatever she accepts the most, whatever her language is. And words of affirmation, do you ever compliment your wife? You ever tell her she looks good? When she's done a good job on something, do you say, that was good? The other day, my wife made a meal, and I was actually busy running boys to baseball games. I didn't get the meal. I ate the leftovers. It was delicious. I said, you should make that again. It was wonderful. Mia liked it too. She and I ate it together a couple times this week. Do you ever leave her notes? I remember I went to, when I was in high school, one of our classmates his, the, the father died tragically. It was a car accident into a ditch on a, on, during a time of severe flooding and drowned in the car. Just an awful thing. The entire school went to the church for the funeral service. And we sat there. And I remember um, the widow, she stood up and she said, you know what I'm going to miss? She said, I'm going to miss his notes. She said, he would leave sticky notes everywhere. I, I I said, I would go to bed at night, there'd be a sticky note on my pillow. I'd get up in the morning, there'd be a sticky note in the bathroom. said, I'd open the refrigerator door, and there on the milk, there'd be a sticky note. She said, all over the house, she said, all during the week, she said, my husband would leave me sticky notes, just letting me know that he loved me, that he cared about me, that he thought I was cute and beautiful. Words of affirmation can go a long ways. Gifts. I like gifts. I like to buy gifts. I like to get gifts. And, uh, you can just start with flowers. You don't have to wonder what to do. However, guys, be careful. I heard about a guy. He realized his wife liked flowers, so he set up a, a, an actual contract with the florist, that, and he gave him the holidays and said, this is our anniversary, this is her birthday, these are the Mother's Day, and here's some other holidays, Valentine's Day, different things. He said, here's my credit card. You charge it, and you have it delivered with my name on it, you know, love so-and-so on those days. It all was going great. For the first year, his wife just absolutely loved. All these beautiful bouquets were showing up from, on her husband's behalf until one day, a little over a year later, he'd forgotten. He walked in and he said, Hun, where'd you get the beautiful flowers from? And all of a sudden, she realized like, he had just set it up with the florist and written down the days, and they had a contract going. They'd just deliver them. He thought of it once, but forgot to think of it as the days went ahead. The well, flowers are a good place to start. What about service? Those projects that your wife asks you to do that you have yet to follow through, follow through on. I have many of those. Right now, mine's simple. I have three little holes to drill in the deck. I have to buy a bit to do that. But our, our, our dryer, it vents its hot air outside, but they built a deck over the spot where it vents out. So we have three holes, but they said we probably need six holes to make sure the air actually gets out. So that's, that's my next job to get done. I have others some that have waited for years to get done and are still waiting. But we show our wives that we care and that we listen when we do the projects that they've asked us to do. Time together, Create, clearing the calendar enough to spend time. 
and then physical touch. Did you know this? If you want to be happy, healthy, successful, and live longer, give your spouse a kiss before you go to work each day. That's the conclusion of a study conducted by a group of German physicians and psychologists in cooperation with the insurance companies. According to Dr. Arthur Zasbo, the study found that those who kiss their spouse each morning miss less work because of illness than those who do not. They also have fewer auto accidents on the way to work. They earn 20 to 30% more monthly, and they live about five years more than those who don't give each other a peck on the cheek daily. The reason for this, says Dr. Zasbo, is that the kissers begin the day with a positive attitude. A kiss signifies a sort of seal of approval in the eyes of the other. It's not just good for her, it's good for you. So praise from her children, praise from her husband, and ultimately even praise from society. When she does a good job, when she gets a promotion at work, when she wraps up a project for her employer, do you say, good job, I'm proud of you? Do you praise her? In the workplace. In Proverbs 31, we think about it being the Proverbs 31 woman, but guys, let me tell you this the challenge and the only command in the passage is for the man to treasure your wife for what she's worth. Treasure your wife for what she's worth. There's a story told by Richard Stetzer, and Richard served as a doctor in a hospital. He had a patient, a young couple. They came in and he met her because she had a tumor growing on her cheekbone. And they determined it would be necessary to do an operation to remove this tumor. And so the operation went through, it went fine, and uh, the wife was recovering after the surgery back in the hospital room. Her husband was sitting there and Dr. Stetzer walked in to the hospital room one day. He said the lights were turned down, they were dim. They were low. She said she was sitting there quietly. Her husband was seated in a chair looking at a magazine while her eyes were closed. He said, I walked up to her and uh, said, how's it going? She said, okay. And as she looked at me, she said, she said, I looked at my face in the mirror. I said, yes. She said, I see you did a really good job on the scar line. She said, because where you had the cut, you came right down my little smile line on my face. I said, the scar looks like maybe it will follow that line. He said, I tried very carefully to follow the lines of your face so that all the scarring, once it heals, will kind of disappear, hopefully, into the lines that are naturally on your face. She said, thank you. He said, do you have any other questions? And uh, she sat there for a moment, and a little tear welled up in her eye, and she said, what about my lips? She said, I see that my lips, they're, they're crooked now. What technically is a palsy. It is a, the muscle no longer works and they don't hold to the right spot. And he said, I'm so sorry. He said, to get that tumor off your cheekbone, he said, I was able to cut in and to follow the lines. He said, but there was one little nerve. He said, when we were in there, we cut through that nerve and that's what controlled your lip function. And he said, that nerve isn't going to grow back. It's been cut. He said, your lips will always be crooked now. Her husband watched her and the doctor watched her and he could see the little, the little tears well up in her eyes. And um, he said, I'm sorry. There was nothing we could do. He went and looked at the computer, checked the charts, walked to the edge of the room, stepped out of the door, and then just in the hallway, he looked inside and he saw the husband get up. He went and he sat on the edge of the bed next to his wife and he reached over and he took his finger and he wiped the tears from under her eyes. 
And he looked at a little crooked mouth that she had now. And she was going to be okay, but her mouth would always be crooked from that day forward. She looked at, he looked at her and he said, hey, honey, I think it's kind of cute. And then the doctor noticed something. He said, I could tell. He said, he squiggled his little lips up to kind of match hers. And he leaned in ever so gently to where we had, next to where we had conducted the surgery. And he took his little lips and he curved them up. And he kissed her ever so softly on the lips. He said, hon, don't worry. Our kiss still works. That young man treasured his wife for all she was worth. Husbands, it shouldn't take Mother's Day or just Proverbs 31 to remind you that God calls you to treasure your wife for all that she's worth. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, wives are a gift from you. And Lord, we confess as men, we often take them for granted. We don't appreciate the blessings and the goodness that they bring into our lives. And Lord, may it be more than a Mother's Day. But Lord, might you set it in our hearts, Lord, to open our eyes that we would see that our wife is a gift and a treasure from you. And Lord, may we see those daily things she does, like the woman in Proverbs 31, all she does that are both signs and evidences of her love and care and her wisdom and resourcefulness. And Lord, may we, your people, the men of God, treasure our wives for all that they are worth. For my wife today, Lord, I say thank you for the treasure she is and the gift to me. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, amen. Will you stand up as we sing our closing song?